Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, John Katsimatidis. He had a number one show at 5 o'clock, and, you know, we tell you things that you can't get anywhere else, and, uh... Even even Russian intelligence, the KGB listens in, the uh, uh, Chinese. Chinese intelligence listens in, and they find out what's going on from just from us. <laughs> and uh, we have a great show for you today. We have R- Judge Richard Weinberg in the studio, Craig Eaton in the studio, and back from Daha. We Doha. Doha, Daha. It's all the, the same Qatar, stuff. Wherever. Oh, Qatar, is it Qatar or Qatar or, or Qatar? Qatar. Why did we uh, say Cutter? Cutter, uh, Qatar. Okay. Former chief of staff to Rudy Giuliani. Uh, we have uh, Tony Corbinetti. And you had a good time? Had a wonderful time. How come Budweiser can't sell their beer there? There's some Budweiser beer around. But more importantly, I mean, I saw Brazil, Cameroon, England, uh, Argentina, Mexico. I saw everyone play. Everyone was having a wonderful time. That's beautiful. My God. And Lydia Serrano, you had a good day so far? Absolutely. And I'm going to have an even better day because we got a hot show for everyone tonight on the line for us right now. We have Professor Alan Dershowitz, the leading constitutional lawyer in the country, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law. He's uh, still in Israel. And right now he has a great book out, his 50th, The Price of Principle. Welcome back to Cats at Night. More important, we got some breaking news. He just finished meeting. Where's breaking news? Wait one second, one second. Breaking news. WABC. Uh, Professor Dershowitz has just finished meeting 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, uh, with uh, the uh, Prime Minister-elect, Bibi Netanyahu. Uh, Give us some hot news, uh, uh, Professor. Well, I decided to stay in Israel and meet Netanyahu instead of accepting the offer of the Emir of Qatar to go to Doha and watch the World Cup. I love soccer. Alan, you'd have had a great time. It was amazing. Yeah, I know. But I had a great time meeting with my old friend, Bibi. I've known him since the early 1970s, half a century. And he's a great, great leader of Israel. And he's putting together his cabinet now. And I met actually with two people uh, who are uh, supposed to be in the cabinet, both of them extreme right wingers who a lot of Americans uh, are, are opposed to. And, and Bibi's trying to create a cabinet That is acceptable, obviously, to the people of Israel. That's the first criteria. They're Israeli government officials, but also acceptable to the Biden administration and acceptable to American Jews. And um, so uh, it's a balancing act. And, of course, Bibi's also under investigation himself for accepting uh, cigars and and champagne uh, from friends. Uh, When I met him, the first thing yet, when I first met him, I said to him, I'm going to give you a gift now. It'll probably have to be reported. I gave him a copy of my newest book. And I said, you don't have to report this because it's absolutely worthless. So uh, (laughs) he he agreed. And, uh, you know, we had a really, really, really good talk about everything ranging from Iran to terrorism to um, uh, the Biden administration to who's going to win the next election. Um, uh, you know, he's a, he's just one of the most intelligent leaders in the world today. And I think he will put the, the, the government together. He said to me, it's like a Rubik cube. You get everything right. And then at the last minute, there's one thing wrong and you have to redo the whole thing. So, um, actually when, when he saw me, he was in the middle of seeing potential cabinet members and he took time out to see me because I've known him for so many years and I've never been to Israel 
without having an opportunity to see him. And tomorrow I'm meeting the president of Israel, who's an old friend of mine, too. And I met the heads of the intelligence. I met the heads of the Air Force. Uh, so I'm really getting an inside look at what's going on um, in Israel today. Does he have common sense? Oh, common sense. Are you kidding? I mean, he's the most pragmatic common sense guy imaginable. I mean, he is um, he has there's a Yiddish word for it. It's called Seichel. Seichel. He has incredible intuitive insights into people and into everything. The first day I got to Israel, he called me at 1230 at night. That was the middle of his working day. I'm sleeping. It's the middle of his working day. He never sleeps. When I saw him uh, just now, he had been up until 530 the night before. And so, um, you know, and he's read everything. He reads everything. And he's just written a new book called BB, in which he inscribed uh, to me and gave me a copy. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. It's a, available now. And, and it gives you insights into the death of his brother. You remember Yoni Netanyahu was killed in the rescue in Entebbe. Uh, he was the only soldier killed uh, rescuing 100 innocent people from a terrorist uh, attack uh, in Entebbe where they hijacked an airplane. And so, uh, you know, he he himself has been a commander. He broke uh, when Sabina Airlines was uh, hijacked. He was one of the commanders who dressed up like a mechanic, went on the plane and shot and killed all the terrorists and saved wow. all the people wow. on the plane. So, and, and what was before we go back to the United States for uh, some interesting things that sure. are going on? Uh, what was the one big thing that uh, that you got from him? Well, the one big thing is that um, many Americans are worried that the Israeli government is going to move too far right on issues like uh, gay rights. And, and he assured me, he said, Alan, I've known you 50 years. Look me in the eye. I assure you, we will not set back basic human rights, no matter who's in the cabinet. There will be equality. There will be equal treatment of gays. There will be equal treatment of Arabs. And no matter what's in the government. Um, I'm in charge, he said, and I'm never going to let um, uh, those principles be violated. He's a very principled guy and a very pragmatic guy. When I said, gave him my book, I wrote to him, a man of great principle and pragmatism. And that's the balance you always need for a prime minister. So, you know, I'm a big fan. Alan, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. I'd like to turn your attention to Elon Musk revelations uh, on yeah. Twitter yeah. and what was going on and the whole censorship issue and the collusion between government agencies, allegedly, and big media, big, big tech. What do you think about this? Well, it's terrible. I mean, it's terribly dangerous. I wrote a column about it. If, in fact, the government put its thumb on the scale and basically coerced uh, Twitter not to reveal information about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, that really does constitute interference with an election. Now, that doesn't give Trump an excuse to say what he said today, namely that the Constitution doesn't apply because there was so much uh, fraud. Uh, you can't ignore the Constitution. He wants to be president. And if he wants to be president, the first thing he does is raise his hand to God and, and, and commit himself to comply with the Constitution of the United States. So you know, he can't be president if he doesn't believe the Constitution governs elections, even if you disagree with the outcome. But, exactly right. Uh, exactly right. Yeah. But yeah. But the you know, uh, it's very disturbing. Uh, the, the Elon Musk revelations are very disturbing. And apparently there's more to come. And, um, you know, it's just the government should not be telling 
social media what they can and can't do, particularly in a partisan way. This was just weeks before the election. Remember, the New York um, Post uh, had major disclosures and they wanted to put it on Twitter and, and Twitter banned it and prevented millions and millions of people from seeing these revelations. And the FBI, the FBI had that laptop for over a yeah. year, Alan. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't know what the truth is, but the public has the right to judge based on the whole truth, not just selected truth decided by partisan politicians. And so this is going to also call for hearings on the role of social media and the role of government to make sure that they don't tell tell social media uh, what to do and what not to do in a partisan manner. Uh, This is a scandal and we have to get to the bottom of it and find out the truth. In New York today, they found uh, Trump's company guilty, uh, but there's only some there's only civil it's penalties. Yeah, no, it's a fine. And uh, today, the January 6th committee, which isn't a committee at all, it's a kangaroo court. They said they were going to make re- uh, referrals of criminal cases to the Justice Department. Now, I can tell you what I think the Justice Department ought to do with the referrals of uh, January 6th committee. Throw them them up and throw them in the garbage pail and totally ignore them. They have no credibility whatsoever. The Justice Department should do its own investigation. Professional people, not the Adam Schiff's of the world, not uh, other people who have a a bias. Remember, January 6th committee started with a narrative. Uh, They booted off the committee. People who disagreed uh, with them and the committee was a they had no dissenters, uh, no opportunity for another side to be uh, presented. Uh, and so nobody should take seriously anything the January 6th committee comes up with. Look, if they have evidence, hard evidence, that's fine if it speaks for itself. But nothing in terms of conclusions of the committee should be given any weight whatsoever. They never turned over the pre-incident plan that showed what intel they had from the Internet, from social media, how they planned on securing Didn't the some Capitol. of those uh, Capitol Police commit suicide? Well, you know, for me, so, the thing some of them, proved yeah. the January 6th Post. bias, to me, that proved the January 6th bias, is they played portions of President Trump's ill-advised January 6th speech, but they deliberately doctored the tape, and they left out the words peacefully and patriotically. Now, that's not what a committee is supposed to do. That's horrible. That's what Senator McCarthy would do. But that's not what uh, a committee controlled by Democrats would do. Doctor a tape and leave out the two critical words that make it clear that the speech, though ill-advised, was protected by the First Amendment. And just to go back to the Trump organization, too, Trump was not found guilty on anything. His organization, it's like, John, you used it. You had a great example of like if I took the company car, I'm, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, Trump, a one point six million dollar fine for a Trump, an organization that huge. Is that a big deal or not, Professor Dershowitz? Well, the fine itself uh, is just, um, you know, Trump change for uh, the Trump administration. But the jurors seem to suggest that this was a pervasive uh, fraud. And um, and, and you know, it's worth it's worth looking into. But Trump wasn't charged. He didn't defend himself. And so uh, he has to be presumed not guilty. But uh, the company itself, you know, which is a very, very large company, uh, the jury found uh, did uh, do some things that um, uh, constituted uh, improper actions, and uh, they're going to have to pay for that. 
Professor, this and, is Craig Eaton. Uh, yeah, you know what it is? What's funny is... Craig, Craig Eaton, go ahead. Yeah. What's funny, Professor, is that the media calls it the Trump Organization, but it was really Trump Corp and the Trump Payroll Corp. Mm-hmm. And what they do is you have the AG investigating Donald Trump right now since September, and then you have this case, and the mainstream media sort of homogenizes it as if it's Donald Trump that's in trouble here, but it really isn't. Correct. It's his company. Right. And, and, and they, don't, the they don't have a distinction for that. Well, his, right. his CFO, they're pretty right. guilty. Yeah, Weisselberg. Uh, he ended up uh, using the company car too yeah. much. He yeah. used the company apartment yeah. too much. Uh, over 20 years, it was 1.6, 1.9 million. Yeah. So now they're, 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 they're charging the Trump organization. So over 20 years, yeah. whatever it is, 1.6 million. I'm just estimating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. Remember to, the other thing that has to be remembered is that Letitia James, who I like personally. She's a very nice I do person. too. Um, she campaigned on the issue of getting Trump. And this was before she heard a bit of evidence. Mm. And so, of course, she came in with a predisposition as well to get Trump. And that was her campaign promise. If she fails in that campaign promise, she's not going to get reelected. And that's not the way prosecutors were to operate, focusing on people and then trying to find crimes or civil liability. What did Stalin say? Show me the man and I'll show you the crime. yeah, show me the show me the man, and I'll find you the crime. Right. Yeah, um, you can find crimes, and when you have complicated businesses, uh, there's always going to be here and there something that uh, deviates from the norm, and the question is priorities. Last last question before in, break. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we had Rabbi Prakashnik on yesterday. He was Great accusing man. Harvard mm. of being anti-Semitic. Well, it's a report that came out that said that. That's right. It's a, it's a report. Uh, now, Harvard has a, a, you know, a great president, a Jewish president, a Zionist president who has a mezuzah on his door. Uh, Harvard itself is not anti-Semitic. There are faculty and students who are. And uh, it's not the worst. Berkeley, University of California, oh. Berkeley is the worst. It banned 14 clubs, 14 clubs. The feminist club, gay club said no Zionists, which basically means no Jews, will be allowed to speak at any of those clubs on any subject. So if I wanted to volunteer to speak to a feminist group about abortion, I'd have to take an oath that I'm not a Zionist. But I am a Zionist. I'm a proud Zionist. And I would never deny my Zionism. Well, Professor Dershowitz, uh, stay safe in Israel and look forward Thank to you. you. Come back to the uh, go, good old USA and uh, we'll talk to you real great. soon. Great, great, great being on your show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line with us is Heather McDonald. She is a Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, a contributing editor of the City Journal, as well as a New York Times bestselling author. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Heather McDonald. The NYPD released their crime stats. Tell us your interpretation of them at this point. Well, thank you for having me on, Lydia. It's always a pleasure. I think it's appalling. Uh, you know, we have major felonies up 25 percent year to date. Uh, grand larceny is up 31 percent. We're up 31 uh, percent with all felonies compared to two years ago. And, you know, my view at this point is that every politician in New York City who is not screaming from the roof of City Hall or from the capital of Albany every single day about crime is complicitous in this crime wave. Because every single day, 
There are 283 major felonies committed. Every single day, there's 174 property crimes against the hardworking business owners of this city who are putting everything they have on the line. And we know for a fact that there will be nearly 200 thefts, robberies, burglaries a day. And instead, we have our New York politicians grandstanding about, oh, illegal aliens or Ron DeSantis is so cruel. They know this is happening. It is the most important thing to this city. No more second chances. Here's the rule. From here on... Why why did New York City vote 70% Democratic in the five boroughs? Because they put ideology ahead of common sense, ahead of public safety. Nobody is willing to admit that the ideology that he has committed his life to is a failed ideology. They turn their eyes away from it. I will tell you this, John, race has a very large part to do with it as well. Liberal elites are not willing to look hard on the fact that the inner city culture has completely broken down. It's pathological. There is huge racial disparities in crime commission, and we would rather not talk about that. So we can't even talk about black victims. Blacks are overwhelmingly the victims of drive-by shootings. But if you, if you look that at, honestly, you also have to look at the fact that the people killing those blacks are not police officers. They are not whites. They're other blacks. And nobody wants to talk about that. So it's frankly out of sight, out of mind. And that stuff to get doesn't get reported. You don't hear that. No. But- Here's the rule. Here's the rule. If, if the race of a suspect, criminal suspect, is reported, it will be white. You will know if it's a white suspect. If the race is not reported, exactly. and I'm sad to say this exactly. is in the New York Post as well, they have stopped reporting race. If the race is not reported, it's a black criminal. Because the rare instances when it's a white criminal, wow, that's something to celebrate. And you'll hear about that. But, but if you don't know the race, you can always assume it's a black criminal. Heather, this is Craig Eaton. I'm an attorney here in the city, and my, my son and his and his wife were both prosecutors in Brooklyn for about nine years. And there's three things we need to bring back. Stop, question, and frisk. We need to get rid of the bail reform, and we need to change the discovery reform. And, and, and if we change those three say. things, it'll dramatically change the crime. In, also, in, it's, uh, yeah. Heather, it's, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. Raise the age. They change the age Back to, so that it goes into family court. So the 16-year-olds yep, yep. who are the gun mules who are actually doing the violence with the gangs, they're not being prosecuted as adults. That raise the age is another disaster. So those so, four things would yeah, significantly well, not, reduce crime. Even, well, we, we brought it up with Eric uh, uh, Gonzalez, the yeah. from Brooklyn today, at the PAL luncheon, the Police Athletic League luncheon, that uh, they're not allowing the judges to make any decisions. The first thing judges have to have, the only place, and you know this, Heather, and my colleagues' eyes are bleeding, their heads exploding. They cannot hold somebody in on dangerousness. And we're the only state in the country that allows that kind of outrage to go on. And by the way, and there's no movement on the part of the state legislative leaders or this governor to do anything about it, Heather. Well, you're absolutely right, Tony, Craig, and Richard. I would say this, though. Policies do matter. They, they, they massively move the needle on criminal justice. On the other hand, rhetoric does, too. And I think that we need our politicians to start speaking the truth that from now on there will be consequences. We are not going to make excuses. We are putting the, the interests of the law-abiding ahead of those of the criminals from here on out. That right. has got to be the message. And right now you have an elite that is dedicated to excusing crime, 
on the on racial grounds. The reason here is the reason why we're not enforcing the law. Here is the reason why we have bail reform. Here is the reason why Cyrus Vance stopped prosecuting turnstile jumping and shoplifting. It's because when you do enforce the law in a neutral, colorblind, constitutional manner, you will have a disparate impact on black criminals. Not because the law is racist, but because blacks are committing the overwhelming majority of crimes in the city and across the country. And we've decided we would rather not enforce the law and let the law abiding just take the consequences than have a disparate impact. And we have got to get away from the disparate impact thinking and say, sorry, we are going to enforce bourgeois norms of civilized behavior and Three let the and you're out. where they may. Three strikes you're out. Go after the recidivist. At the very least, 25 or 100 strikes you're out. I mean, that's where we're seeing criminals. But, but he, here's with how a many, difference. By the way, we're speaking with Heather McDonald of the Manhattan Institute. Tony Carbonetti. Hi, Heather. How are you? Here's the difference, though. In New York, we've created over the last 25 years new neighborhoods that have been built up from crime-ridden neighborhoods to now livable neighborhoods. Unlike Chicago, that keeps all the crime in one part of the, of the city. You're right. So no one goes there and no one sees it. Outside. Now crime is all over the place and everyone's seeing it. Okay, That's it's in true. your neighborhood. 100%. Absolutely true. And the thing is, we know how to do this. We, we, we turned those neighborhoods around. Yep. We made them There's safe. a playbook, Heather. We've seen it. We've we know it, it exists. We know Been, there, done <laughs> Been there, done that. Been there, done that. We know exactly what there. to do. The received wisdom at the start of Giuliani's tenure was that the national condition of American cities in New York in particular was violence. And he said, no, we are going to enforce bourgeois norms. We turned it around. We have forgotten that yep. message. We have become so racially guilty that we're not willing to enforce the law anymore. And again, it breaks my heart. Business owners, and John Katzmatidis know this, they are assuming massive number of risks. They're putting their property, their inheritance, their savings, their livelihoods on the line. They are willingly assuming those risks to try and join the wonderful miracle of commerce, to try and create wealth for themselves, for their employees, for the public. They are not assuming the risk of being ignored by our politicians and policymakers and being left to the vulnerability of these criminal, appalling, barbaric mass lootings. They didn't sign on for that. And a government that cannot protect property is a government that does not deserve to be constituted. Heather, it's the new socialist portion of the Democratic Party. Uh, what did what did they always say? First, you 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 take away their guns, then you take away. What was the old expressions that uh, uh, Hitler used, or the or, or the Russians used? On the well, side? that was that was what COVID was all about. The left believes that the government is a perfect substitute and a and a preferable substitute for private enterprise. And so you have you have Andrew Cuomo, you have Gretchen Whitmer saying, "Oh, you know, we're going to shut down everything but essential businesses and we'll just send you your checks." They think that that's fine. You can do stimulus spending. You don't need a private economy. The government does it better. We learned that is not the case. New York is still burned out. Empty storefronts everywhere. We destroyed livelihoods. We destroyed people's ability to get jobs. And and but it, it is absolutely a socialist instinct, and it's ca- it's carried over beyond COVID. And let me also say this: COVID had nothing to do with the crime wave. This is all a result of George Floyd glorification of criminality and racial ideology. 100%. Yeah, and by the way, Heather, the article that you recently uh, 
wrote about this trumping of the ideology over, over reality, when ideology trumps empathy in City Journal, you ended in a very sad note that this won't change until white children start getting mowed down by uh, drive-by shootings. Isn't that yeah, awful? It's so sad. It, it's, it's unbelievable that the left postures that black lives matter. They don't give a damn about black lives. The only people who talk about crime is white conservatives on Fox and, and your show and the New York Post. But the, the, the left says, oh, if you talk about crime, it's racist. Well, guess who's bearing the brunt of the crime? If there were oh, white kids betting gun down and drive-bys, there'd be a revolution. Heather, we're out of time. Thank you Thank so you, much for, for telling it the way it is. There's no other way to say it, but tell it the way it is. Thank you, and we'll catch up again really soon. Thank you, Heather. Thanks. Thanks. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. The fire continues where we tell the truth and nothing but the truth here. So help us God on the line with us right now is Charlie Gasparino. You may know him, of course, from Fox Business. And he's here on Cats at Night quite often as well, telling it like it is. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Charlie. Uh, anytime, guys. How are you? Good. Charlie, where do we begin? Well, well, well I mean, you want crypto, uh, the interest rates going up or down, the roller coaster, whatever you want. Well, interest rates are going up, and I think, you know, I think, you know, the market keeps wanting to interpret every, every, seemingly every word. positive thing, yeah. every word that kind of seems kind of positive on in terms of, you know, potentially lower rates or not as, you know, not, not as much a tightening as this sort of incredible event that's going to you know, reverse course, reverse the, the course of a monetary policy, and it's, it's not. I mean, I think the only thing that kind of was somewhat surprising that Powell said is that, okay, we're not going to do, we might not do 75 basis points on the Fed funds rate. Everybody said, oh, that's great. We're going to stop raising rates. But then he comes out and he clarifies, look, we're going to keep raising rates. And it could be a bunch of 50 basis point hikes until we get to a 5% Fed fund rate. Now, I know I'm talking somewhat gibberish here. I mean, there's a lot of economic jargon here. But just for the average person out there, what he's basically saying is that the Fed is going to sort of uh, is going to cut back on the money supply for essentially the next at least the next half year, last next six months, uh, going into next year, half of next year, and uh, interest rates are going to go up on various instruments like credit cards and uh, mortgages. So it's going to be tougher to borrow to buy, buy a house, and the economy is going to slow. And you know that's essentially why the markets. Uh, you know, today, sure, he traded down, but it had been traded down since those sort of clarifying uh, stories. I think the, the, the clarifying remarks wasn't quite remarks, but a story that obviously was leaked to the Wall Street Journal that basically said, like, they just laid down, um, which is not a bad thing, but uh, Jamie, how are you doing? Jamie Diamond made some interesting remarks about cryptocurrency. Can you want to tell uh, the world? Well, I mean, I, I don't, they, they're more of the same of what he's been saying or what they all say, that this is a. Uh, this is there's a lot of air here, you know. It's not a lot, you know. When you buy a crypto, you're buying like nothing. Um, remember, when you buy a dollar, right. when you transact in dollars, you you're transacting in something that's backed by backed by government. a government, Charlie, and it's printed by the United States. Do you know how much of it is? I think this kid's going to find out. He should just printed up some more phony money. Could have printed his way you out know, of it. But what I think, what I think, what's happening with the whole blow up of the exchange FTX, what it's showing is just how much this is funny money. Uh, you know, remember that was a term used by the great late great Teddy Forsman to describe junk bonds back in the day, when junk bonds were being used for everything, 
and you would borrow at, you know, borrow tons of money. You buy a company. You had no intention and, of paying it back. And you might not pay it back. You go into bankruptcy. You yep. call it funny money. But at least those were companies. They were brick and mortar stuff. So they went in bankruptcy and you were the bondholders. Yeah, it was different, different. Yes. You were online to get some of those assets. Yeah, then the bondholders that thought that he was going to negotiate in bankruptcy, somebody else took their company away from them. Now, there's two ways of looking at what's going on with FTX. Is that exposed that 90% of these coins are all BS, right? They're all yep. like backed up by nothing. Uh, the real question is, is Bitcoin BS? Is yes, of course it is. But well, there's, too ma- there's too many people in it to let it go to zero. Yeah, I there's too many big people in it. There's too many prime ministers, crooked prime ministers that right. keep Otherwise buying. Otherwise, it would be zero. To, yeah. to, to, put, to take know, it over to 16,000 level right now. Yeah, but okay, the bigger, I, I, the I bigger story. I'm not, I'm, not a crypto, I'm not a crypto advocate by any stretch of imagination. I think I can easily see Bitcoin going down to 8,000 and Ether being half of what it is now. But at least Ethereum, Ether, the Ether coin, Bitcoin, the the, the 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 native current the native token of the uh, the blockchain the Bitcoin blockchain um, at least there is a there there there's a, a technology that people are starting to use and and try to innovate off of I question that Charlie be, yeah, because he, 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 here's my question who is maintaining it if no one's in charge of it now you know this J P Morgan right. spends eight hundred million dollars a year on cybersecurity because people are trying yeah. to hack into them. No one's trying to hack into Bitcoin. Who's spending that they, money? Who's they, maintaining they it? All the time. They, they try course, it all the time. I know. Yeah, who's doing it? Or not, I, I don't know. I mean, yes. It has no one can hacked. answer that question for me. I wanted to yeah, switch no, gears. Charlie Gasparino. Charlie. Is, but there is a technology there. I'm just saying don't totally discount Bitcoin and Ethereum. I'm not saying that yeah, they're but, worth but if, 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 if something goes wrong with J.P. Morgan, you, know, call, you, you can go to J.P. Morgan. Who do you go for Bitcoin? Right. Yeah, but I'm just saying that there might be some inherent value in Bitcoin. Maybe uh, he's talking about the technology, the blockchain technology, which people say has value. And I don't disagree, but I'm saying who maintains it? Someone is. We just don't know who. Yes, but I don't think it's that's my only point is I well, I mean, just the way it's used, it's it's open sourced, it's by its by its users, and you know, so you could bring in into that whole sort of uh, theory about open source versus centralized. But we don't want to go there. I'm just saying that there might be might be some inherent value to Bitcoin, Ether, and something known as XRP. Might be. Uh, the rest of these are, is, this is air. And I think that's what... <laughs> that's it's what like Scientology. Is. Someone just made it up. But it's mysterious. Right? Right? There's, there's a lot you don't know about <laughs> it. Yeah, it's, 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 you remember yeah. Dogecoin? A very wise man, by the way, tweeted out before, say what you want about Trump, but Sleepy Joe is the closest we've ever come to Nero, fiddling while Rome is burning. (laughs) Biden heads to Arizona to visit Taiwan semiconductor giant. Now, of course, Charlie Gasparino, you tweeted that out. I wanted to play this for everybody. Biden was specifically asked, are you going to visit the border where there is a massive crisis? And here was his response. And not visit the border. Because there are more important things going on. There are more important things going on, President Biden said. Charlie Gasparino, you tweeted this out. Your reaction. What's more important? He might be saying something more important going on. Maybe the Chinese are taking over Taiwan next week. Oh. Yeah, I mean, that's that's possible. And, you know, we got to, like, deal with that. That's the more important thing. By accident, he's telling you the truth. Oh, maybe. Yeah. They never do it intentionally. By the way, the Chinese are taking over <laughs> Taiwan. He's the last guy we want in the driver's seat in the U.S. I mean, you know, he, he really is a scary guy in the sense that he doesn't have, he doesn't know what's going on. He actually thinks, you know, border. He thinks mediocre is great, and uh, and you know, absolute 
horrible, is mediocre. I mean, which you can kind of characterize his administration. And the only thing he's got going for him and the Democratic Party has going for them is Trump right now, a, a guy that's somewhat unhinged, talking about you know tearing up the Constitution, you know, hanging out with. That weirdos. wasn't a smart thing to say. That was not a smart thing. That's a nice way of putting it. I like Donald. I always have. I will always say that. He's a decent guy. He just, I just don't understand what's going on. It is, you know, I can't get inside his brain cells. You know what I'm saying? And, and I just wish he'd stop. I mean, you know, you know, he, you know, the problem is, I think this is where it's coming down to with him. Um, and I know we, we wanted to start this talk about Biden because Biden is just a horrendous president. We, we got one minute left before we go to our next guest. No, you you I, tell I, us I, what you want to tell us. Yeah, I would just say that, that Donald had a chance of being a statesman and a party leader and a, and a kingmaker, and he blew it. Blew it all. It's just, it's, it's actually sad. He and he's making it worse. He could have taken the high road yep. and be very presidential, and people would, would have forgiven and gone forward. But what he said today is crazy. I mean, he, what is he saying I don't about the Constitution? I mean, it's it just lunacy. Well, he said he didn't say it, but he did say it, yeah. uh, or write it, or truth it. Charlie's not, he's not helping Charlie, himself. Go take the train, go home, enjoy the evening, and thank right, you for your you. input. God bless you. Talk thank to you, guys. you. And now uh, we have. I was mad as hell, <laughs> and I'm not going to take this anymore. Oh, uh, Alfonso Mato is on. <laughs> <laughs> senator well, Demato, the best senator the, the New York State ever had. How about the United States ever? <laughs> he's co- I'll give him his call. Okay, okay. Listen, let, let me say to you, I want to be very candid. I had a great, great partner in Pat Moynihan. He was fantastic. If, if I, I never forget time when uh, we were both going up uh, to the North Country uh, to one of the big Air Force bases up there that was scheduled to be closed. And Pat and I worked together to keep it open. And he said, listen, Al, I know you want to be home with your parents during this tough time. You go up there and I'll represent you and I'll let them know. Well, let me tell you, he went up there and he said, we wouldn't be here today celebrating keeping this Air Force base open were it not for Senator D'Amato. That's the kind of guy he was. And, and by gosh, that's what we need more of. We need Republicans and Democrats to begin to work together for the benefit of the country and make. Yeah, there's always politics, but put that on, on the back burner, for God's sakes. Start working for our people. We're, we're in an economic Slide and you wait and see right after the holiday season is over. The first of the year after it's open, people in the middle class is getting crushed. Crushed. You make $150,000 a year, married, you got two kids. And you, I didn't even say one of them is in college. If it's in college, boy, you got problems. You run two cars, you, you live in the suburbs, and uh, you've made it. You're in trouble. Your, your, your food cost, your energy cost, everything has gone up more than 10, 12 percent. Yep. How are you going to run two cars? How are you going to keep the house lit and, 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 and the home and, and the food cost? Take a look and see what the food costs are today. You're so, going to see restaurants closing down now like you've never seen. It, it's, it's going to be close to uh, a depression. It will be a recession. Understand that. 
And speaking so, of us uh, closing down, I just got this. Uh, we just found this out, Senator D'Amato. Influential New York City comedy club Caroline's closing after four decades. So that's breaking news right there. We have these longstanding institutions that are simply folding. Yeah, r- restaurants right. can't make it because no one's going back to the office. They're going back three and days a week. nobody's going to pay the rent. Well, you can't pay the prices today. I went to a place, not a very high-class place. It's a nice little place. Diet Coke, three glass. Diet Coke, three dollars and ninety-five cents. Now, come on, come on. That's a lot. All right. Senator, this is Craig Eaton. Just going back to what you were saying before is there's no camaraderie anymore. It's the Democrats and the Republicans can't work together for some reason. When when you were in the Senate, you, you could work, you could cross the aisle. But today, no one we wants to do that. We did it. We worked together. I mentioned Pat Moynihan. I could tell you the senators from Connecticut, we worked together. The senators from New Jersey, Democrats, Republicans, we worked together. We worked together for transportation issues. Transportation isn't a Republican or a Democratic thing. We came together to see that, 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 that the funds that had to be necessary were there. Okay? Because- now. Were there political battles? Of course they were. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have some politics, you know, but I have to tell you, if you think we're going to spend our way, the government, out of this problem, that ain't going to happen. It's short term for an election. Yeah, had you given the forgiveness and had it passed and the courts not held it up, uh, it certainly helps the, the incumbent. Uh, and, and in this case, uh, Joe Senator, Biden. We, we got one. We got one. Uh, one and a half minutes left before we have to take that hard break for the network. Uh, you were very upset. Something about the, that the Democrats are giving to the Department of Justice something. Tell us about well, it. the referrals that they're going to make. If it includes Donald Trump, then we're going to just give the big actor, the great actor, more grounds for screaming and yelling about how he's being persecuted. And and and, and his cadre is going to fall in behind him and we're going to be more divisive. I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope these jackasses know that Trump is in enough trouble. Let him kill himself. Don't give him the the, uh, uh, the ability to say, you see that? They're going after me. Yeah, go after the people who carried on the raids, who broke into the place, who, who beat people, who threatened people, etc. That, that, I say, fine, refer it. So but the Democrats made not. an announcement they're going to be doing that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they are. Going to the select committee. Oh, give me an example. Uh, Donald Trump will be one of them? To the Justice Department, and I'm concerned, I think, there's a good chance because they're bad politicians, just like Trump. And they're looking to get him. You know what this will do? This will enable him to say, you see that? They're still after me. They stole my election, and now they're coming after me. So I hope they don't do that. Let him sink on his own. Don't help him. Understood. Okay. Senator D'Amato, thank you for coming on, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, John. Thank you. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We're back, and uh, we're going to be running out of time. So uh, with us today is Ty McCoy, former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force. Ty, we got about four minutes. Tell us what, what's going on in Ukraine. 
chance, I think, that we're really looking at a situation that uh, where we might compare the uh, Russians think they have hypervelocity missiles and other things like that that are going to take care of the problem for them. On the other hand, the Ukrainians have hypothermia working for them, which is the very deadly, vicious, cold, bitter winters that are begin, beginning to affect the Russian troops very badly uh, to separate them from their officers, while at the same time the Ukrainians are taking care of their men, keeping them warm, feeding them. Uh, the officers are with the men, leading the men. And so I think that the Russians, uh, as always, uh, have uh, not taken care of talent and not let things flourish from the bottom up, but tried to direct things from the top down. And in this case, I think that will hurt them very badly in this Cold War uh, winter weather that is coming up. And hopefully, as we see, the Ukrainians are using some drones that have been modified to attack uh, deep inside Russia, several hundred miles with uh, old TU-141 drones that have been repurposed with warheads. Uh, and it's going to increase, uh, increase the danger of of going across red lines with the Ukrainians attacking, uh, apparently, inside the Russian homeland. Now, those are not our drones, correct? Those are not our drones. They're old drones that were made when Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. And they were made, and they were some that were left behind and kept. They, they actually made some of these drones in the Ukraine, in Kharkiv. And in 1990s, the guy that was the master rocket scientist for the Soviet Union Vladimir Utkin came to Washington to see me, and he had run the Dnipropetrovsk SS-18 plant where they build missiles. And many of the very advanced weapons, uh, guidance and propellant and so forth, that the uh, Russians had, the Soviet Union had, were actually made in Ukraine by a much more talented group of engineers uh, that they had in, in Ukraine versus the people that were very deep into basic science that were tended to be more Russian. So I think the Ukrainians are bringing a lot of that back online, and um, they're going to be very serious. Uh, so it's the, uh, is it the bottom of the seventh inning, top of the eighth? Where are we? Well, I think that we're really uh, in uh, the, the, the end of the beginning, as uh, Winston Churchill said in, in one of the books he wrote about uh, World War II. And uh, so we're getting to the end of the beginning. The Ukrainians have failed their own. They're repurposing things. The weather it should generally, because of the way both sides operate, should favor the Ukrainians in the uh, very rough, tough uh, weeks ahead, unless something happens. We are seeing that the Russians and the Iranians and the Syrians are sort of teaming up against what you might say the Ukrainians and the Israelis and the Turks. So you've got a little three-on-three -three going there in terms of who's supporting who. And, of course, China is behind the Russian uh, group, and the U.S., NATO, and some Asian company, countries are behind the Ukrainian-Israeli-Turkish uh, group. So there's some circles that are growing and some alignments that are slowly changing and some uh, future allegiances and favors uh, that will be owed and may feed into other conflicts in other places. Ty McCoy, thank you so much, and uh, thank you for your patriotism, and thank you for everything you do for our country. Yeah, thank you very much. It's always good to be with you. Great work. God bless you. Thank you. And uh, now we're going to have Dr. Uh, Mark Siegel, and he had some interesting things. He's back from Athens, I believe. 
Okay, we're we standing a, by. We so. had a little bit. Oh, you know what? We just we also got a message. We want to update you on that uh, breaking Caroline's. news right on Caroline's. Let's make sure I have it correctly. So apparently they are not shutting down. Old, well, they're vacating that space because their lease ended, but Caroline's will live on. That's good news. Absolutely. Uh, let's see this. Okay. Not the end of Caroline's. Just vacating spaces. Lease ran out and landlord wouldn't allow them to stay. The best is yet to come. She is uh, committed to continuing to produce world-class comedy entertainment. And that's from their spokesperson, uh, thank, Christine thank Nicholas. You, thank you, Christine Nicholas. Thank you for updating And now us. we're going to Mark Siegel. Mark, are you back from Athens? Are you still uh, cruising the uh, Mediterranean? I wasn't really in Athens. I was there for one amazing meal uh, south of Athens in an area you know well because I was on my way to Israel. But we loved it. And that is a great place. And I, I'm going back. To, we, we love Greece. Greece is great. But your name is well known everywhere there, John. Mention my name, you get a good seat, right? <laughs> That's actually true. You don't get a free Especially meal, though. In I, was looking for a free, I was looking for a free meal. And they gave me a nice seat, though. Nice Did you seat. use one of John's stamps? You know, John has a stamp. Let's talk about We got three and a half minutes. Talk, talk, tell me about what's going on with this flu. Well, the flu is, is mounting because we didn't see it the last few years, and so nobody has immunity to it, and the immune system doesn't recognize it, and people didn't get vaccinated, and so it's a pretty bad flu, and it's putting people in the hospital at a rate that we haven't seen in years. And, you that know, all of this like obsession COVID. with COVID, uh, all of uh, this obsession with COVID, and here comes the old flu again. Wow. So what but should you people get a flu do? Shot. You can get a flu shot. I mean, it, it helps. And, and you know, you can call me on my speed dial because I wrote books on the flu. So I recognize well, it. You, when you, I, when tell people you got to keep your immune system up. You got to take your D, vitamin D3. You got to take your zinc. What else? Vitamin D3, zinc, uh, eat plenty of fruit and vegetables, that Mediterranean diet that you find south of Athens. You got to exercise. You got to lose weight. You got to de stress. You got to listen to this radio show and Lydia most of all, by the way. (laughs) And wash your hands. And even wash your hands 10 times a day. And I also try not to do so close talking with people. You ever notice that? germs. Washing your hands is back now because flu and RSV do spread that way. COVID really doesn't spread much that way, but flu spreads by hands. So shake hands, but after you after you shake some people's after you shake some people's hands, you got to wash twice. How do you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got thirty seconds. Fist bump. Well, the other thing I want to talk about today is that a big statistic came out that marijuana is leading to more calls for poisoning in our kids than alcohol now because its THC content is so high. That is a huge problem, and people don't understand how bad that is. Pot is not what it was. It causes all kinds of issues. It yeah. wasn't your father's pot. No. I mean, That's your right. father's pot. Your when... father's pot. And I they're eating the, the gummies. Yeah. Yes. Well, Dr. Siegel, I'm glad you're back from the, uh, the Euro- Europe, and uh, we look forward to seeing you real soon. And, and you know what we stand for in this show? Truth, justice, justice and the American, American way. way. God bless America. Thank you all. Thank you so much. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.